that's so cool. Amazing. It's amazing. Oh my god. Wow. This is super cool. Hello, and welcome to stir-fried fascination. My name is Erasmus, and I'm fascinated by almost everything, including dust, Bosnian philosophy, the color yellow, the art of preparing confects, how vacuum cleaners work, and Belgium. Today, I'm going to learn about music and the brain, and whom better to ask than Peter Wust, jazz musician and neuroscientist. And I'll be joined by a co-host, Bram van Langen, who is confused by almost everything, including human infants, romance, sweet and sour sauce, the Niagara Falls, and Belgium. Now let's get started. So Peter, could you tell us how do you recognize music from noise? I think in the brain, the important thing is prediction. So uh, this is what music does all the time. It 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 goes like da 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 da, so now you have a prediction of a note, right? Ba probably, and if it then goes the first time you might be a little bit scared, but then you'll say, well, it's actually kind of nice. So you have a statistics that say it's it's probably going this way, and then there's also you know uh, a possibility that it could go in a different direction. This is what music, real music, uh, plays around with, and this is what I think is necessary for us to recognize it as music, because that's where we see the intention. This is where it grabs our attention, because if it if you can just predict everything, I mean the brain will stop listening to it. Like if you just hear a, a rhythm going like duk, 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 then uh, after a while you stop listening to it. But what and about meditative music? What about music that's, uh, that might have as an intention to, to be meditative, where people just really listen to repetitive things? Techno is one example, I guess. Exactly. And then there's other types of music where... That's, that I'll be there just in a few seconds. Because it's important to, for me to, to say that there are two ends of this spectrum. So, so there's this end where you can predict everything. And then there's the other part of the spectrum where it's noise, so you can't predict anything. So noise is basically, I mean, statistically, noise is just uh, stuff which is randomly distributed, right? So you can't predict. You have a node, and then you cannot predict the next node. There's no way you can predict it. So, so, so... For it to be music, it has to be somewhere between these two things. And actually, a lot of the research we have done is uh, has shown that there is a sweet spot so that the brain can understand what is the model, what is the prediction, but it gets something new. But uh, And there's a sweet spot for that, so you have to have exactly uh, the right amount of, of new stuff. Uh, for you to be really engaged in it, and that can be different from person to person and culture to culture. So, but just to get back to your your interesting question from before, uh, uh, I don't know who who of you who, who was asking this, but then you say, well, it's super predictive when you listen to trance music or to uh, EDB or, or what is it called, uh, electronic dance music, EDM, EDM, yeah. for instance, right? It's it's super predictable, but in fact, it's not. Because what what these kinds of music will do is they'll set up a groove, and it ca it might feel meditative, but it still is playing around with your predictions. Because what it it usually will be going, it will usually have these kind of things that are very very predictive. 
But when you have these very predictive structures, then suddenly if something is changing just a little bit, you'll uh, hear that small thing. This is the whole idea about it, minimalism in a way. But if you think about these rhythms, for instance, like do, k, do, do, k, do, k, do, do, k, then it could go on like that for, for, for 20 minutes and you'll still keep dancing to it. And that's simply because part of your brain are listening to this rhythm and say, oh, there's a couple of beats here that won't uh, that are not like one two three four one two three four so and and this is what my motor system the the motor system in the brain wants to go like one two three four but your auditory system what comes in through your your ears is just a little bit off you know so um uh, so, but so, isn't that and, culturally uh, as well? Because I mean, I listen a lot to Brazilian music, and they obviously have this bakt katakt katakt katakt. Exactly. Where you have this, where it's always it feels just as off as the example as you uh, give, and that to me makes it very interesting because it's not like on exactly on the exactly on the eights and sixteens. Exactly, but and maybe it's... somebody else might not find that interesting at all. But you know that's basically because I lived in Brazil for three months m many years ago, and I get, got to play with some really good musicians down there. And it was uh, the the problem was that they were listening to me and they were saying, "Yeah, you're playing the right notes, but you're not playing it in the right way." And this is very culturally determined. It took me a while until I could really appreciate this thing that it's sort of it's like it's dragging in some places and it's it's rushing in other places. It's, it's a very uh, specific thing, and that's exactly because what the brain is doing according to the newest models of how brains are working is that it's making predictive models. So it's all, it's all about trying to predict the future. And when we learn, what we do is that we update our predictive models, and that's what we interpret the, the world from. But our predictive model, if we don't get, just get, get that through our senses, will will nothing will happen in the in the brain so what you can say is that in the brazilian way they have a predictive model which already has a lot of these things that are dragging and rushing in it so that's a model they have and from that they hear the differences so that's why we cannot understand why it's good we cannot understand when when they hear something that is slightly new to them to their brains we'll just say oh wasn't it the same as the other things but, but why would it still be interesting if like if I've listened to it like for years now and, and I still find it interesting it wouldn't um, yeah but that, that, that's, it yeah it's a super good uh, explanation but that's because there are different systems in the brain that have different predictions that are then sort of uh, creating error between them I was talking about before like the motor system and the auditory system will work in different ways that create sort of this conflict between them which your brain says oh I need to solve that conflict that's why we dance to these uh, these rhythms because our motor system is actually tr trying to solve the conflict uh, between what is coming in through the auditory senses and yeah so just to explain just to explain this in a slightly different way because it's a super good uh, question and that is how can you keep on listening to the same music even though you've heard the same three minute pop s song and then two months later you're still listening to it because you know everything w that's going to happen but 
there's a thing that your memory systems in the brain probably work in different ways because part of your memory system knows what is going to happen because it has heard it before we call that veridical memory the memory simply of how that song goes but that song contains stuff that is different from all the other songs that you've heard so if, if before i went dip, da, 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 ba, ba. the reason why we know that it's going to the last note is that of 100 songs then in 99 songs having this will go like that but the 100th song that goes in a different way da, 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 wa, ba. for that even though you hear it a thousand times you'll still know that it was different from your schematic uh, knowledge so your schematic memory your memory of how it's supposed to be so these memory systems are sort of in conflict with each other and that's what really great composers and good musicians are able to play with so that you will never get tired of a song Hang on, so you're basically saying that there is a prediction error not just between two different brain systems, but also between different parts of the same brain system. So different parts of the memory system, basically. Uh, you're getting that exactly right. Like, for instance, I have, a, I have certain songs that I really hate. Very few, actually. But, but like, like, I really hate the song Memory. Memory, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the reason is not because of the, you know, a little bit, maybe too uh, emotional content, but mainly because there's this modulation. It goes from one key to another key at a certain point of time. And that is so illogical to my brain, even though I've heard it 100 th uh, times at least. My, my schematic memory still goes, but it's wrong. This is not how music is supposed to be going, right? <laughs> but you were saying something about it can go both ways. Also, when it, it gets too predictive, like in some like monster hits, like how can you explain why people still can listen to Venga Boy songs or to like a Barbie girl or, uh, or like songs that are so predictive? How, yeah. how can we still listen to these songs a I mean, hundred times? The, the thing is, with, with hits, very often they have like a curve where you, in the beginning, you're saying, oh, this is just like everything else. And then suddenly you realize there's something interesting about it. It might be repeating itself, but it's interesting. So you're, you're, suddenly it becomes a hit and everybody is singing, singing along with it. And then it dies out. And basically, you can say that that hit songs, like uh, in the Eurovision uh, Song Contest test, have some very specific ways of making sure that you very quickly start listening to their music and think, ah, there's something about this. And also, the same things are actually making these songs not so durable. When you listen to these uh, hits, you can see that they have so much repetition. There was one, I remember especially one Danish song that was called From Molts to Skane. And it had the same small uh, notes repeating all over and over again. Thirty-six times, but... The very smart thing about this was that they had taken something and repeating it, which is the m most unnatural way of uh, taking two notes together if you look at music theory. So if you have a 
Uh, this is a little bit nerdy, but if you have if you have a major scale C major scale seven note, bum 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 bum, then it goes from five six five six, five six six five six, and that combination of notes, if you look at the theory, then it's actually the 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 combination that is very rare. It's the most rare combination that you will find. So they take something which is very rare and then they repeat it. And they take an instrument that is very rare, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, you know, a violin, which is not that common in pop music, or a banjo or something like that, and then they, they use it over and over again. So, so the idea is that you have to make sure that people hear stuff many times, because the more we hear a certain piece of music, the more we like it until a certain point. Yeah, there must be a limit to it. There's a limit. But what about yourself? Like, I'm thinking like you, you've obviously listened to a lot of music uh, and doesn't a lot of music just get very predictable to you and therefore also get to that point where it's boring to you. The more you're listening to music, the less you should actually like it then because you you must get used to more and more music and push it towards that edge where it gets boring. That, that's a super interesting question. It, whether musicians, for instance, they need more uh, novelty. And to a certain extent, that is right. But I have to see, f say for my own part, I really, really like also just a simple pop tune that within that field is is done really well. I, I just listened to one two days ago and it was so nice that I had to I had to listen to it ten times in a row. It was the reason why I listened to it was that it had one of my featured one of my favorite artists, uh, James Taylor, and he was just uh, he was just singing uh, you know uh, one chorus or two choruses on this. But it was just such a nice song and it was made you know because when pop is really good, there's almost nothing that can co uh, compete with it. it when it's done really well, like a really good burger, you know. Uh, it's like you know Norma. The, That's a pretty the, good analogy, actually. The, 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 you know the famous Danish uh, restaurant uh, Norma is now uh, uh, selling burgers. They're quite expensive. No way. But yeah, they're doing it because because of the Corona crisis, they're not able to you know uh, get people into the res restaurant. So they sell uh, burgers for uh, twice the amount that you would pay in in a normal burger joint. So, but let me stay a little bit with the yeah. question of complexity and simplicity for a little while. There must be some musicians who make predictions even more complex, for example, by playing around with meta levels of the music, because I guess you could do, um, I mean, there's a certain predictability to a song, but you could also talk about how that predictability changes over time. And you could also talk about how fast that change in predictability changes over time. You could sort of add more meta levels to it. You could make it more complex. I mean, it's kind of like when you're driving a car, you could have a position that you're at, or you could think about the velocity, or you could think about the acceleration or the change of acceleration over time. You could sort of add more meta levels to that as well. I mean, so there seems to be at least ample opportunity to make predictions more complex. I mean, if they play around with pre uh, prediction and the, the meta levels about it, I, I think there there are no musicians that don't do that, but they they don't necessarily think of it like that. But for instance, I had this record I did a, a couple of years ago, which was one of my most successful records in that it achieved a, a nomination for Danish Music Award. And the first song was this, one of the simplest songs I've ever written. Uh, it was called My September Song, and it was I did it in three minutes. It was so simple to do. 
but it has this this simple very simple idea that i had a lot of minor stuff and then i had one chord it, because it was my september song it i had the lyrics beforehand right so i was i was uh, thinking about september and i was thinking what is typical with uh, about september oh it's typical that suddenly you get this cold breeze you know a door opens and suddenly you or you step out one morning and then you at at a certain point of time you think ah it's not going to stay september the november is coming sooner than you would think right the the winter is coming how ca- can you do that in a in a song so i had this very nostalgic feeling of this this minor chords and then i introduced one chord that was completely out of key uh, a prediction error kind of thing which was this cold wind from the north and and to me it sounds really like a cold wind and i think that many musicians have these ideas and say okay like like i saw an interview with paul simon um uh, uh, from when he was writing still crazy you know oh, still yeah, crazy as well. sorry i've seen that as well and he plays around with all the options that he uh, that yeah he exactly has. and he he has he hasn't written the b part, uh, the c part yet and he knows something it's too predictive he knows something is going to happen so he he asked Dick Cavett, who is the the talk show host right he asked oh should it go this direction or this direction i need something new and in the end uh, he he uh, apparently chose a completely different way but but you can up exactly understand what he's 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 doing he knows it's too predictable and it's fun that he should ask a talk show host this right he says it's it's really interesting uh, you know insight into a a really good co- co- composer's way of thinking i think he's also an example of a musician who can make music sound very easy to sing to but actually being quite elaborate quite complicated quite complicated underneath yeah Yeah. I think that's where why many jazz musicians love his uh his uh his compositions. You know, uh, I suppose him and Stevie Wonder are two examples of music that sounds quite simple. Yeah. and very poppy and is quite and, elaborate. And even more so actually uh, the one we talked about before James Taylor. Every ja- all jazz musicians love James Taylor and that's because it's the most, you know, it's the most elegant music. It's so easy to relate to. And underneath, you have all these small details that uh, the jazz musicians love. And I think for me, it's interesting, uh, this predictive model, because it sort of seems to have a parallel to personalities as well. If I, uh, uh, if I speak to my friend Bram, for example, I kind of know his personality, so I can kind of predict the way he's going to speak and, and how he's going to relate to me. But if I could predict exactly how he's going to speak to me and exactly what he's going to say, it would be totally boring to me. He's not going to be your friend for long. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, and so, and I think that's interesting because their music sort of reflects our personality that way. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think that and that is maybe this is what music really is, because more so than any other kind of um, uh, art form, it's it's based on prediction. It create also because it's this uh, it's it's so dependent on time and what happens in in time. Then you have so much prediction in there, and maybe what it does is that it actually just mimics in a very schematic way and in very strong way a lot of uh, other uh, things that we are, are drawn to as as human beings. And uh, so 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 I think you're completely onto something there. 
And what about animals then? Do you think that animals could listen to music the same way we do? I, I no no way they 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 listen to music in the same way that as we do. This is of course a lot of a great. There's a great controversy uh, about this. Of course, I think what you can say is that many animals have certain parts of musical processing. Like there are certain parrots that can actually dance to music, can keep a tempo more or less. There's also a sea lion that can do it and so forth. But it's very few uh, animals that can do this, which is the most natural thing for, for people to do. Everybody dances. I mean, not, not necessarily well, but they dance. But I think that, that this is... Um, so you can, you can have these small elements of mus music, but this thing where it comes together, where you can uh, listen to a piece of music and then five minutes later you know that what they were playing in the first few bars actually relate to this part. I think that's simply not, that's above the, cap the predictive capacities of, uh, of, um, of animals. And if you look at monkeys, for instance, our closest uh, ancestors, then if you if you make them tap at a rhythm so it's very hard to what what they can do pretty easily is that you can learn them to say duk duk and then they can reproduce duk duk they can do this right but if you try to make them follow a rhythm so you go make them go back 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 just follow the rhythm all humans can do that and when humans do this you can see that humans comes a little bit before, a little bit after, a little bit f before, but it's basically spread around the beat. But monkeys, they are 100 to 200 milliseconds too late. So what they do, what they learn is to not to predict, but to uh, to respond to to this beat. So they actually don't have they don't have the predictive model in their uh, in music listening. At least for for this uh, for the most simple things, they they are not able to predict the beat so how could they ever how could they ever understand what we think about as music well i've come across people who are <laughs> the same as well unfortunately <laughs> just so you can see if they only have to clap this and you see them looking at the people clapping like how are they doing it and try to follow it but really get it wrong so it's yeah it's not only eight but but <laughs> But I think w what it goes to say is that uh, this prediction that we're so uh, interested in uh, might be something that where humans are much more evolved than any other kind of species. I want to try one theory on you, which I've been walking around for decades, and uh, it pertains to rhythm. And like you were saying earlier, like uh, we already perceive sounds when we're in the womb. But I think the uh, the main sound that we hear as as a... Um, uh, as a baby, is basically rhythm. It's the heartbeat, I suppose, because that's constant. Uh, yeah. Is would that be like a, my theory? Is that why we like rhythm, and maybe why there are lots of rhythms that that um, are quite similar to heartbeats? Be the boom, 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 boom. It, it's it's a it's a wonderful question, and I think it's still an open question. Yeah, it's hard to. To know, of course, it's hard to know, and the problem uh, the problem about that is that we can see that when you, for instance, listen to music and you and you dance to music and play music, your heartbeat is not synchronized with that, and in a way, of course not, because your tempo in in your musical piece is is very uh, variable, and 
and your heartbeat if that should be going up and down with every time you play a fast song the, the heartbeat would rise like like uh, 40 bpm uh, of course it probably rises a little bit because uh, you'll have more adrenaline in your brains but I don't think that there's a direct connection between this. Well, we know there's a direct connection between, and which is, I think it's wonderful research, and it's only uh, coming up the last re recent years. When you play a piece of music, uh, or just a rhythm, to kick, to kick, to kick, to kick, with these kind of changing rhythms, then you can actually see the rhythm of the beat, to you can actually see that on your brain waves when you, if you keep on playing these uh, these rhythm, you can actually see the frequency of that being s strong, a strong peak, and then the overtones of your uh, of this beat also being there, even though the music has all sorts of beats. And this is very interesting because this seems like, of course, you can because you move in a, in, 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 in to the beat. But this is really hard to make a program, uh, a computer program to do, and it doesn't do it very well. We do it much better than any computer I've seen uh, uh, being able to do this. Hang on, let me just, because I don't quite understand what you're saying here. Is it that you're taking sort of a general scan of electric activity in the brain and splitting waveforms up into overtones? Yes, you, you, you do EEG or MED. EEG are these brain waves. It's basically, uh, when there's a current running in the brain, you see it, uh, and that's of course uh, in milliseconds actually possible to detect. In a sense, what you see is brain activity coming from the whole uh, brain, and then you see that the brain is going like tuk 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 tuk, even though, and and the, and this is super cool because the the machines, the, the the computers are not able to do it, and most of the animals don't do it. Probably they might be able to do it, but they don't do it like natural. But we do it very naturally. We move to music. And that's it for now. Predictably, Peter had so much to say about music that I had to cut the podcast in two. Kind of like when there's so many sweet marshmallows around, you just want to save some for later. Thanks for listening and see you in the next one.